0: Hello, and welcome to the Sequin Playbill, the podcast shining a spotlight on live theater and drag culture, brought to you by Raven S. Claw. Today's episode, we explore RuPaul's Drag Race and its effect on the community today. Hello! Welcome to the Sequin Playbill once again, and this is your host, Raven S. Claw. So yes, today's episode, we will be diving into the effects and sort of the fallout from the explosion that is drag on the screen, and mostly... The effects that Drag Race has had on the industry as a whole. Um, I'll be making some comparisons to what I noticed between the theater industry and the drag industry, but it'll mostly just be about Drag Race and what it has done with the world of drag since it's Kind of beginning stages in the mid to late 1900s. Yeah. So, first thing that is a major uh, diversion from what drag used to be into what it is now is drag will. Okay, so what drag came from is slightly different from... Okay, how do I put it? (laughs) Because drag itself stemmed from a lot of things. But the biggest source that it stems from and what it reflects today... Is the ballroom scene in the 70s and 80s um, in New York City primarily um, with the idea of categories and walking in a category and giving realness and um, passing and basically presenting as? a real, a, in your best attempt to pass as a real-life version of whatever that category called for. So, like, in the documentary Paris is Burning, the one category that I remember is military realness, er, patriotic realness, and it's all about trying to exemplify and look just like somebody who would be from that category, and the way that you interpret that category. That is basically what one of the biggest things that has been taken from the ballroom scene into today's drag. On Drag Race, the runways are always based on that concept. The idea of a theme or category topic where you just basically have to adapt your general aesthetic to fit the category and they judge you on how successful you were at um doing that the other thing that has vastly well i mean a direct like copy but not copy is um reading and shade and there is an entire Um, definition and lesson on shade and reading from Paris is Burning and now it's become its own um, mini challenge on Drag Race the reading challenge and the other thing is that um, oh um, the battles the um, Oh, what was it? The challenges. Like, a house can challenge another house to a vogue off. The, the, the idea of two houses combating at each other in a vogue is kind of the same thing where it's a lip-sync battle, where you have two queens that are battling it out to win. And that's basically a lip-sync for your life or a lip-sync for your legacy. That kind of stems, well, that does stem from the ballroom scene where Two Houses can fight for the final prize or for the title of Who's the Better House? Um, And now, people are taking everything from drag and are now blowing it up into... Well, what it is today. But still are... I, I think there is still... I mean, a lot of people are aware that what drag is and what a lot of what drag is, does now and what it is today stems from the ballroom scene. But I still think that there is such a low percentage, or there's such a high percentage still that don't know the roots of what it is that they're doing, or why they do what we, why they do what they do, or. The influences. There's still just a lot of. Like, Drag Race is great at educating and mentioning and letting audiences know that this comes from X, this comes from Z, this comes from this, this this, this is from that. It still does give the information and it cites its sources, basically. But. I think a lot of what drag is becoming is getting skewed away from where it came from, which was a genuine family sisterhood kind of vibe. Now it's always this person against this person, or this person shouldn't be with this person, or this x shouldn't be around y and it's just it's dividing itself because of the show making it seem like everything is a competition and everything is being compared now whereas before it was mostly an outlet for self-expression that is precisely what the ballroom scene kind of tried to portray and i think drag has lost that um spark that like the heart of where everything that we're doing comes from it's starting to lose its way and i think it's because of the show and it's the produ- it's the overproducing it's people who aren't familiar or even like from that demographic or a or from the ballroom age they're doing everything that they can to sell another spin-off and to sell another season, sell merchandise. Everything is now commercialized and overly produced. And again, it's totally forgetting its roots. The idea of drag is starting to get lost in translation because of the Hollywood commercialization of everything, and it kind of is in relation to the theater industry and film, where I noticed, so I, I when I was starting to just conceptualize what this episode was going to be, it was actually originally just going to be a review and a summary of the first episode of Drag Race. And I watched the episode. I did my normal notes and everything. And I mean, honestly, I felt like, why would I do one summary episode if I'm not going to follow up and do the rest of the season? So I was like, it's got to change. So then I started to look up everything else. And I started to see the amount of seasons of Drag Race and spinoffs that we're getting in 2023. It's over 15. And I'm like this over it like even Big Brother and Survivor don't do this much saturation and and like America's got talent or Canada's got talent and all that like American Idol doesn't even do that much saturation so I just think there really needs to like maybe lighten up a bit like it's just becoming too much Like, especially from where it came from. Like, drag was an always-in-person event. And it is now going from in-person into the digital and online and behind a screen. And it's similar to theater. Theater was the entertainment eons ago. And then the... The, the in-person entertainment started to venture behind a screen and bring that entertainment into the homes of anybody who had a TV, and it, it's taking a hit. Like, live theater took a hit once, theater, once movies and television started to boom. Like, the entertainment industry is mostly movies now and now it theater is in like third place behind tv like it goes movies then television and online streaming and now and and then live theater and drag is starting to do the same thing drag is going from in person to on youtube on tiktok now it's a television series there are movies about it and the idea of going to a drag show is starting to get lost because people are just like oh i can watch drag race and i can see better queens on tv than what is like local and the support for local queens is dwindling i swear i'm not getting emotional i'm just dying here i'm just very passionate because like the show it's oh my gosh okay so i i'm gonna try and get back to my try get back on track back to my notes so drag is like theater where the in-person is starting to suffer and everything's starting to stick behind a screen and the other thing that it's doing is it's pigeonholing the styles of drag and the aesthetics are being pigeonholed into this tiny little niche of drag which is like it like when drag started it was all about the realness and all about passing and looking like a biological woman then it started to turn into okay well drag is more than just this and then they had Sharon Needles win in season four and okay cool the spooky queen won great so there's spooky glamour But she was still glam. And then after that, it's like, oh, the comedy queen one. Okay, cool, comedic. But where are the non-binary or drag kings or anything that isn't trying to be one thing? And it's just pigeonholing so much of what drag was and still is, but they're only portraying it in certain lights and when people say oh they go to a show and they're not impressed or they can see 50 times better on drag race then they stop going to in-person shows and a lot of it is because these girls are only replicating what we've seen on drag race before and they're all doing what other girls are doing and it's all cookie cutters and Like, it's just so upsetting, because it's starting to lose its authenticity, and, like, uh, I'm losing my fucking train of thought again! But yeah, it's pigeonholing, and drag is so much more than what is just visible behind a screen. And again, it's producers, and I hate it. Second. Moving on to, people are being controversial, saying that cis women should not be doing drag and that they should maybe have their own show. But at the same time, there's... Okay, so, the idea of separating but wanting to be accepted. It's a community that has for decades been saying, we just want to be seen as equals. We just want to be seen in the same light. We just want to be treated equally and even. Well, guess what? Now you're saying, oh, we're not equal. We're not even. We aren't the same. Go do your own thing over there. So then that's literally exactly what the rest of the world is saying. Oh, okay. Well, we'll accept you, but you can be yourself over there where we don't have to see it. And it's covering it up. And the idea that people are saying that cis women should be in their own competition or like drag kings should be in their own competition or non-binary performance should be in their own competition it's once again doing that division that they've been fighting against for eons oh my god it's just so contradictory and it's annoying anyways now next thing that I'm irritated about is the majority of this competition for years was gay cis white men and then They started bringing on some POCs, and only recently did they start bringing trans women in. And you have one, I'm assuming here, so somebody please let me know, find me on socials and correct me. I'm pretty sure that Victoria Scon is a cis woman. I don't know if she identifies as gender fluid, I mean I would imagine she probably she probably she they probably identifies as gender fluid but like only just now are they starting to note take notice that biological women and trans women and anybody who's female identifying can do drag sometimes better than the OG like than the like gay man present gay man identified cis drag performers and like they're still saying that they need their own show and it's just fucking irritating but like oh and they finally just have their first they will not just but like they had a single straight white man on there when there are straight men that do drag because drag is one thing gender identity is another and sexual orientation is another and people are still confused by that logic even though it's quite, le- quite it's, it's quite a straightforward system. But that's still super difficult for so many people to get. But, I digress. It's still because of Drag Race that we have all this segregation and people should be doing... The, people are saying that, oh, everybody should be allowed to do it, but you should go do it on your own terms. Or you should be in your own thing because we're different and what you can do is different from what we can do so you should be able to do your own thing but it's all the same it's all drag whether it's gender presenting or non-binary or club kid or whatever it's all character creation it's all performing it's all creative it is sewing it is makeup it is hair it is a lot of performing Then then we get wait hold on let me check my notes did i talk about that yeah i talked about that yes i talked about that yes i talked about that okay then (sighs) okay intense episode it's intense episode this week anyways so breathing taking a breath we're good we're cool Anyways, next, the thing that I wish Drag Race would do more of is presenting that the queens who have highly expensive materials don't always or aren't 100% better than the others who have inexpensive items. I am over the moon tired and irritated about seeing girls doing their face with all of these super expensive products being like oh my entire face is from Sephora or Mac and they still look like shit despite half of these other girls using Mehron paint sticks and good old Walmart Maybelline L'Oreal products and looking like a goddess. Money a drag queen does not make. And these girls, who are wearing human hair wigs, but are doing nothing with it. They aren't even putting it into a, like, they aren't trying to style it in a way, or like, they, they're they serving, but they're serving flat. And I admit, I am a culprit of this, of just wearing a flat wig. But if I'm wearing a flat wig, I'm not gonna gloat about it being a human fucking piece. Like, I am not spending god-awful amounts of hundreds of dollars on a human hair wig when I can literally just wear a synthetic and, like, if I'm looking at a girl on a stage, or if I'm looking at two girls, one's wearing synthetic, one's wearing human, I would not give two shits which one is which. I really would not, I really do not give less of a fuck. I don't give more of a fuck. I don't know. No fucks are given, fuck the fucks. But I do not care if one has a synthetic and one is a human, cause you know the queen that has the human hair always. Once somebody brings up, oh, I like your hair. Thanks, it's human. Or like, oh, you got a new wig. Oh, I really like the way that it like lays. Thank you, it's human. Like automatically, if they have a human wig, that all of a sudden becomes their personality. And it's so fucking irritating. Anyways, learn style and do your makeup and everything with the cheap products before you start to go into human or into really expensive makeup because if you're using super expensive products but your face still looks like crap or it's melting off of your face because you don't know how to do proper application then you're waste you're literally wasting money if you Do your entire face and get it to where it needs to be using cheap products, then you can start looking at the expensive stuff and then notice how infinitely better the face gets when you already have a good product and then you use great materials to create an astounding product. As opposed to having a kind of crappy product to begin with and using great materials, it's only still gonna be okay because the foundation was not securely laid or the foundation wasn't completely soundproof but like once again i can only stay i can only say so much because you can do whatever you want if you want this if you want to go use the expensive shade you go right ahead i can only do so much to try and like save your wallets but Girls are going to do what they want. And if they want to waste the money on the expensive stuff, you go right ahead. I am just giving my two cents on saving money. Saving a buck. And the other thing that's super irritating is the girls that are spending like hundreds and thousands of dollars on garments. And like they don't even know how to to construct the garment, how to style it, how to accessorize it, how to, like, anything because of, like, it's just, it baffles, it's still, it's annoying, but also it's kind of not that girls still don't know how to sew. Um, it doesn't because it gives me work and it gives me money and it pays my bills and for me to make stuff for girls, but at the same time... So many girls see themselves higher on the ladder than others who can so. And they just think they're better because, oh, they can afford this or they can afford that. And yet they seem to completely forget where drag comes from and where the girls were when drag came from the ballroom scene. Like, the ballroom scene... They could not afford a fraction of the things that are seen on the drag stage. So they had to learn how to make their own garments. They had to... They. I don't condone it, but they had to mop what they could. And the term mopping is another word for stealing. And so they had to do what they could... To go to these balls to walk a ball, to walk a category, and give realness. And it's like, remember where you came from. And, like, again, it, it hey, gir- girl, you would save hundreds of dollars if you just knew how to make the garment that you're looking at for almost $1,000 online. The thing that you want custom-made, tailored to your body... That is over a thousand dollars. If you just find the material that's close enough to it and learned, took a sewing class or two, YouTube University is amazing. I highly recommend it. And just practice. Just practice your sewing. That's all the advice I could give. That's it. Just like, cause like, learn your roots. Like, don't, oh, I'm not gonna go there. I am not going to go there. But anyways. <sighs> the other thing that kind of pissed me off was an interview from Gianmarco Sorosy. Interviewing like Dusty Ray Bottoms about the suitcases that they bring to Drag Race and the packing and the things that they need to bring and the wigs and dusty was saying that she brought five suitcases that were that had like a 50 pound limit each so she had one suitcase entirely filled with styled wigs and everything but when she arrived there was a big like sticker on her suitcase from TSA being like oh your bag was thoroughly inspected and then she opens the bag and all of her wigs are destroyed and look like shit so she literally throughout the competition had to style her wigs on the go and she like got some of the other queens to help her out which was fucking amazing on them but like the idea that you have there's like it's it's the idea of what Drag Race is portraying and people are watching it and be, and are completely forgetting that this, this is a highly produced, high-stress setting television show. This is not by any means real-life drag. Drag is not hundreds of thousands of dollars on one look that People are only going to see for five minutes, maybe, on a stage, maybe ten, and then disappear. And then you have to, like, recycle just to get your money's worth. You're, like, wearing that outfit time and time and time again. When you can literally, for a fraction of the cost, if you learn to sell, you can make your own. But it's these girls putting hundreds of thousands, uh, thousands of dollars to do this competition. That they film for, for only like maybe a month. And it would suck if you spent all of that money and you're the first girl to go home and don't get the show everything. Then that's a real shitty situation that it it puts you in... Like I've heard horror stories about the things that the girl these girls do to prepare for going on to this show. And it boggles my mind the level of standards that this television show has. And then people expect the same thing at live drag shows. And it's kind of ruined the local queen scenes. And, like, the social media the social media girls versus the classic drag girls. I don't even want to get into that conversation. That's basic that's kind of what this entire next season of Drag Race season 15 is going to be all about because there's so many TikTok queens and there's classic in-person drag show queens and there's like almost the there's like a divide between the social media girls and the drag show girls. Um But, like, I'm not even gonna get into that conversation. Because that's just a whole can of worms that I am not interested in opening at this point in time. But the last thing that's also, like, really... kind of a piss-off because of this show is when a club or venue advertises a drag show people are oh okay cool drag show yeah let's go they're always fun and then they advertise that they're having a rue girl people are more motivated to see somebody who was on tv than some of their local friends who are talented i mean granted if i were like to go see like tv personalities obviously they would like grab all of the attention it's almost more of like a marketing or an advertising technique for an event than anything but it's the people will throw money at girls who have been on TV as if they don't have anything and then will seldomly selectively maybe give a tip to the local girl maybe But if it's somebody, like, girl, just because you tip that famous girl a 20 does not mean that she's gonna come up to you and kiki with you for like 15 minutes and have a drink or buy you a drink or anything, like, no. She's gonna take your money, give you a smile, and move on. Local girls will literally still be more, like, personable. And you can actually have a down-to-earth conversation with a local girl more than the girls that are from tv that are coming that aren't from this club or from this area or from this province or from this fucking country even like people will automatically oh here take my money take my money to a girl who has been on tv and is making the money while girls who are local are doing this out of their own pockets and don't have that recognition of being on a global television series because once again it is a overly highly produced product that is not an accurate representation of what drag culture is today damn that's good to end on okay so yeah okay i got it all out i feel a bit better now Now I'm going to have to re-listen to this and edit it. Oh boy, that's going to be fun. Anyways. I hope you... Withstood my bitching and my complaining and my ranting. And I hope it somewhat entertained you. But... uh, That's what this podcast is for. It's for me to just explain, share, and vent. And I hope you learned something. So... That's all from me this week. Thank you for listening. This is Raveness Claw signing off. And curtain.